In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsing. And with we, with me, actually, all the way from across the pond is the really frigid Mr. Stephen Parsons. Good afternoon. Uh, a, a very frozen pond, I think, probably. Yeah, well, what's, over. Up th- what's up with that? Uh, we're getting all these Siberian winds courtesy of the Russians, so... Uh, Russian, most of our, Russian most Cold War warfare, I knew it. Yeah, most of our weather comes from you guys across the Atlantic, so it's all nice and warm and damp, but... Yeah. Uh, but yeah. this well, there's a lot of hot air coming Russia. up from Washington, so it warms it up. Yeah, so it's all, uh, all that hot air from Obama we could do with. Anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojinet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. And, uh, yeah, no Cal, I guess he's out there, what, selling bonds again? He's out. He's probably out making snowballs. Really? Well, he's Do you guys even know how to make snowballs? I mean, I have no clue with the... British snow is... uh, Somebody did a survey about this recently. It was on our news that... There's only certain parts of the world where the snow is wet enough to hold together to make snowballs, and the UK is one of the best snowball-making uh, countries in the world. Um, next to New England, of course. We, uh, we exported them. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, uh, it's only because we're very... Uh, what's, what's the word you use when I said that we were thinking about Viking names, and I thought Ronald the All-Knowing was good, but you said it didn't fit in with the British. What was that line? Uh, the, British, the British understatement. Master understatement, of that's what it is, understatement, yeah. Yes, we're, we're known for our uh, modesty and... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You don't see us, you know, making a loud noise. We're not. Any... We're not known for our modesty. No, no, no. You certainly couldn't say that about the Americans. But anyways, we have a gentleman on the show uh, who you've never met before uh, or spoken to before, and uh, he is uh, the host of the Black Cat Lounge, which is a cool name for a show. doesn't tell you any idea what the show is about, but uh, we'll have to ask him about that. He is the Reverend Tim Shaw. 
What's up, guys? Hi. Thanks for inviting me on. <laughs> it, was, it was quite a cool win, huh, Ron? <laughs> you know, you really filled in. You saved my butt, so I appreciate that. But, you know, you are a reverend, and, and I know that, that Steve has a question about your reverendship, don't you, Stephen? I, well, yeah, because I, I'm also a reverend, but... Um... I I bought mine. Um, yeah, I bought mine. It was fifty dollars. Um, <laughs> I've been ordained since uh, when did I buy it? Two thousand and two. So I was asking Ron whether you're an ordained minister or whether, you, like me, you bought yours. No, actually, I am an ordained minister. I received most the bulk of my training through the National Spiritualist Association. I received my first ordination through uh, a small church up here in Niagara Falls, New York, and then that followed up with uh, a course load through the Morris Pratt Institute in Wisconsin. And after that, uh, for New York State laws and New York State purposes, I went with uh, a small... It's actually a larger order. Uh, It's called the uh, Order of Melchizedek, and uh, this way I I don't have a problem when I perform, uh, perform marriages here in uh, in in my home state, right? Uh, well, well, I have no problem. That. Well, I have no problem performing marriages either because we've all heard of <laughs> Captain Ron. <laughs> yeah, but those are those are weekend marriages and bar marriages. So those yeah, are well, that, that's about as long as they last here in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, they did. Uh, talking about religion, slightly off off topic. We have a, no, a census that goes goes on in this country every ten years. They they do a census of the population, find out how many people live here, what they do, uh, their ethnicity, stuff like that. And one of the questions on it is uh, religion and religious beliefs. And uh, it's just been reported that uh, yet again, I think for the second census, so twenty twenty years running. Um, there's a quite a large number of Jedi Knights. Uh, people putting Jedi Knight down in uh, as their religious belief. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Well, you, you know, it's not really that crazy if you if you think about the Jedi Order and, and what it stands for. It's really the basis of, of all religions. And uh, you correct me if I'm wrong, Reverend Tem, because you are the Reverend. And isn't that the, that the life and energy of of the Maker is in everything that we do and and have? And isn't our world the the creation of the Creator? Absolutely. And you know what? Words are are made by man. Organized organized religion is made by man. Uh, I'm more of a person that I don't really care about organized religion, which gets me in trouble uh, sometimes with different church hierarchies. But I will tell you this, as far as I'm concerned, if you have a solid a solid spiritual foundation, that's what really counts. Not the words of man, but the words of the Creator or uh, 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 universal energy, infinite spirit, whatever you want, like a mother, father, God, and whatever has been known by really a thousand other names. That's more important than a moniker for uh, a name that you go and you throw a couple bucks in the uh, in the plate and then you walk out. You know that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's too many people out there. As far as I'm concerned, were brought up in different religions and uh, they're not practicing, and they think that uh, they're buying their way to salvation. And that's not what it's all about. It's, it's how you act, it's how you think. It's your philosophy of life, and 
anything other than that, you're fooling yourself. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, he quoted Christ a lot, uh, Jesus a lot. And they actually asked him that. He says, uh, you, you know, uh, you, you quote Jesus a lot. Why, why didn't you convert to, uh, you know, Catholicism? He said, uh, I like your Jesus, but I don't like your Christians. <laughs> but it, it's true. It, it's true. And now and here in the United States, I see a lot of uh, what I call Christian backlash. And what that is, is there are so many people that were brought up within the different denominations of the Christian religion. And for whatever reason, be it abuse, be it uh, neglect, be it uh, uh, prejudice, they chucked it and they looked for something else. And the problem with that is, is they took the entire Christian religion and tossed it out the window. And you can't do that. You can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You have to look for the goodness. And that's why I always tell people that really go and they lambast. I myself am not a Christian anymore. I, well, I shouldn't say anymore. I really never was. I went to a, a Roman Catholic school growing up, but I was also brought up spiritualist. So uh, the spiritualist side of me uh, took hold more than the Roman Catholicism. And But what bothers me more than anything else is these people, they turn around and they go, well, you know, damn that religion, they're no good, this and that, I'm going to go and, and, and seek this whole new reality. But what I have found, I've studied, you know, a few religions in my day, and what I've found, there's a universal truth. And if you follow that universal truth, that's what true religion is. Mm -hmm. And you should go, and one religion is not better than the other. Everyone has positive and negative uh, uh, attributes to it. And what we always have to remember, too, is this, that those who came before us and preached this religion, they were made, uh, they, they, they were humans. Humans are fallible. Humans make mistakes. So what you do is you accept that, well, that whoever taught you about this religion or whoever did this to you or whoever, you have to understand who they are Forgive them for their misinterpretations or, or their forcedness or whatever, and then take the matter into your own hands. Go out there and learn from yourself. A good friend of mine, Bill Bean, uh, Pentecostal Christian, I love the man to death. He went and he read the Bible from cover to cover. Why? Mm -hmm. Because he wanted to see what it actually said, not somebody else's interpretation of it. And to me, that's... And, and, but yet it is. It is somebody else's interpretation because it's been rewritten and rewritten so many times. And it's an oral tradition. People don't realize that. People, there weren't scribes sitting there every time Christ said something and they wrote it down. 304 years later, I'm, a, I'm an amateur historian. I look, go to I tramp battlefields. Then I go to the official records and I look at the actual action reports. Then I go to GAR, or Veterans Organization newspapers, and I see the differences. And we're talking maybe 30 to 60 years. There's these huge differences. So what we're looking at now is probably misinterpretation of an actual act or an actual, uh, uh, you know, some kind of a saying or, or a parable. But the mm -hmm. idea is to look beyond that. Look at the good what's in there. What is this trying to teach us? Don't right. take this literally. Look what it can help us with. Mm -hmm. I always got the impression that the Bible had been, um, well, it was, it was actually put together by, by a group uh, within the church, wasn't it? They assembled it from various Gospels. So exactly. Cherry-picking. Cherry-picking exactly. the ones that they liked and dis discarding mm -hmm. the bits that they didn't fit. And, you know, I, I think, you know, the Roman Catholic Church, and I'm not, I'm not going to start, you know, knocking any, any religion, but the Roman Catholic Church is 
um, you know, you can see a linear progression from the Roman Empire itself. Uh, once the yes, Roman Empire realised that they had a uh, a control mechanism, um, then mm-hmm. you know religion played a part in that, and you can see very much in the construction of the Bible in the third and fourth century. Um, and believe and it, the council of you know how the Council of Nicosia started exactly. to construct the Bible. The Council of Nicosia is probably one of the most important actions that was ever taken in the history of any religion because it actually set the modern foundation for the Christian religions. Yet they threw out so many other gospels and mm-hmm. they, they they didn't accept them. So all we are we're at a loss for that. However, you know what? You can't blame. You can't go and you can't be a victim. You can't go and say, "Oh, I'm going to blame these people for how lousy my spiritual life is now." No, you got to, you know, you got to pull up your pants. You got to go and actually take the initiative to learn from yourself, to go out there and to become a spiritual explorer, a spiritual adventurer, in order to go and lay the proper foundations for your own spiritual life. Right, so and, and their Catholic religion all... itself, wait a minute, uh, the Catholic religion itself is, is also changing all the time. I know that when I was young, uh, we were taught that, you know, only Catholics could go to heaven. And, you know, that has changed. It's not, they don't believe in that anymore. They believe that if you live a good life, you can go to heaven. And it, I think it goes all the way back to the Egyptians where they used to take your heart and weigh it against the uh, feather. Uh, and, you know, it had to be lighter than the feather. And I think that's pretty much the basis of a lot of the religions. They go back and they take what they want and they keep building on them on each religion. Right. Even, yeah, I don't know how and we got into religion. <laughs> you guys know yourself, but the problem is that many religions, and I know in some of the spiritualist denominations here in the United States, it is no longer a matter of feeding and, and helping and, and, and nourishing the spiritual needs of your congregation. It is the self-preservation of the actual religion. I'm an evolutionary. I believe that everything should be in a state of flux. I believe that as we learn, we should apply it. And so many religions out there, they're so worried that their hierarchy is going to disappear. As far as I'm concerned, the hierarchy can disappear, but it has to be replaced with something else. It has to be able to look at everything that's going on. It has to morph. It has to be able to be fluid in order to meet the needs of the congregation. And too many people don't want to see that because what they're seeing is, oh my God, the entire religion is going to disappear. Oh my God, this foundation, this beautiful thing is going to disappear. No, it doesn't disappear. I believe in reincarnation, and that's just not of the soul of the personality. I believe that it is of the religion. It morphs into something more beautiful, and that is what people have to look for. I've gotten into so much trouble within the spiritualist congregations because of that belief. And I really don't care because of the fact that all I know is that by living my life in that manner, looking, searching, always always weighing, always thinking about religion, my life is complete. My life is happy. So many people out there are not. And all I can say to them is the power to change is always within you, not somebody else. So, okay. Reverend Tim, what's your views on the likes of my approach to um, understanding, say, the paranormal and, and people's spiritual beliefs? Because people come to me and they say, I've spoken to, to somebody who's dead, 
uh, or I see dead people, I, I've seen a ghost. And my approach is very much to uh, look for the, the, the known possibilities. Uh, we know, for example, that the environment can cause people to have these experiences. We know that there are some psychological and psychiatric uh, experiences that can, that can mimic religious experiences how, how, how do you square that particular circle oh, do you come down in favor of science supporting religion religion and science working together do they oppose one another i believe that you know some people hate when i come in to congregations because these people have got these wonderful photos of orbs oh my god let's look at these orbs oh there's oh, people oh. Now, you have to understand, now, I am a, as a student of history. My religion was one of the biggest cons there ever was. It was a way to make money. It was based on something that might have been 100% true. We don't know about the Fox sisters. We don't know how truthful it was. You know, let's face it. Uh, one of the Fox sisters turned around and wrote a book and said it was a whole, it, the whole thing was malarkey. You have to yeah. go. And then she, again, then, she re, then she retracted that, though. The next year she did. But we're talking about two hopeless, hapless alcoholics by this time who were manipulated into making some kind of money for themselves. And there's too many people out there. Houdini was, was one of the best people out there for the spiritualist religion because he defrocked and exposed all these freaks. And I'm going to tell you what. They, they talk about the spiritualist religion, this golden age. Well, I'm going to tell you the truth. Spiritualist religion in my family goes back to the 1880s. When I was growing up, I, I was introduced into the Lilydale Spiritualist Assembly in 1963 when I was a young boy. I was probably about four, probably four or five then. And I'm going to tell you what, back then they had the fraudulent sideshow carny billet readers. They had this, they had that, they had the fake seances. And let me tell you something, I get, again, I'm going to get flack for this, but I'm going to come right out and say, yes, they were frauds. However, however... I'm going to tell you also that I have experienced unbelievable things. I have experienced healings. I, I'm, I, the, the working of energy. I have gone into seance in, well, in the afternoon, in ambient light, in the afternoon, and I have experienced things. I have experienced ectoplasm at one of the churches that we were working with when we were learning and, and working with seance. I can't explain these things. Last year, I was at a haunted location, looked down these stairs in, you know, in very, very cold weather, and there was this teenage girl standing there, standing there for almost 12 seconds. And when I blinked, I, I kind of looked off to the side and went, looked back down. She was gone. I was out that door. I was, and we're in the middle of a farm field, out in the middle of nowhere. I explored every option. There's no way that she could have done. Yet I saw this person objectively. So now, yeah, but yes, you said I you explored that this every is something option. that is very, very important. However, what I want to see is I want to see not only these miraculous things happen, but I want to mix it with science. I want to see. I, I would love to be able to live to the age where we can prove that there is something beyond the veil, beyond death. I well, love, I yeah, love yeah. all the tech that's coming out. I love everything. But the problem is we're looking at frauds on both sides. We're looking at frauds. We're looking at pseudoscience. What I would love to see is hardcore, like Duke University again, hardcore, get out there, get the parapsychologists out there, and just start really working together in, a, in, in some kind of union, some kind of bond where – 
And, and, you know, Ron, this is where I love what you did in your last, your last event, I believe it was last year, where you brought in old school and you mixed it with new school. That, to me, is, is phenomenal because why you start building slowly validation towards that goal. Mm-hmm. I, I, that was a compliment, I think, so I should take that, right? <laughs> I agree listen, with the conclusion. Listen, listen I'm not charging take... you for the interview today, so you better take that as a compliment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think uh, I think Steve's trying to talk. He's got a quiet voice, and we're having difficulty hearing him. But uh, Sorry, what do you Steve. got? What do you got right. for us, Steve? I'll shout. Um, no, I, I agree with the conclusion that that uh, science and mediumship, the spiritualist side, should work together and cooperate. And indeed, when the Society for Psychical Research and the American Society of Psychical Research was founded back in the 1880s, that was very much the case. And they, they've divided subsequently and uh, drawn their trenches. But some of the things that you were saying, you, you said you saw the teenage girl for fully 12 seconds and you've seen ectoplasm and that you've, you know, you've explored all of the possibilities um, but I, I would argue that possibly you haven't explored all of the possibilities because, you know, we know for a fact that when we rely on our own uh, faculties, our own God-given senses, we are completely vulnerable. Our brain is, it's going to make us fall over and trip us up at every opportunity. It will misdirect and mislead us. And Absolutely. so any subjective experience, be it, Yours, be it mine, be it Ron's, um, be it, uh, you know, Lloyd Auerbach or any leading parapsychologist, that is entirely a subjective experience. So as well as bringing together the subjective uh, accounts from spiritualism, we also need to bring in the objective equipment and the technology. But I'm not talking about the hocus-pocus nonsense technology that we see exactly. being touted. The, the right, we have to bring in the K2 oil. meters, that's what you're seeing, yeah. Steve, right? It's, a, it's electronic snake oil. These people, I, there's, there's, there's companies out there, that I saw a new one being advertised today by an American company. It's a plastic disc with plastic rods and colored LEDs around the outside. God only yep. knows what it does. In fact, Tim, you might want to ask him because nobody else but God would know what, the, what this thing's trying to do. But it's $500 if you, want to, if you want to buy one and put it on the table. Now, that to me, it's snake oil, it's charlatanism of the highest kind. What Agreed. we do need, what we do need is this multidisciplinary approach. We need aspects of religion. And we need science, and we need spiritualism, and we need mediumship, and we need sociology, historians, we need physics, all being Absolutely. brought in to examine this thing we call the paranormal. You know, it, it's the only way we're ever going to make progress. It's the only way we're ever going to crack the nut and maybe, maybe answer some of the questions. You know, I had uh, I, I had the fortunate uh, opportunity to uh, sit with Lloyd Orbach uh, last month, and we actually talked about this. Uh, uh, one of our other uh, co-hosts uh, of, of Keeping the Spirits Alive, uh, Jeff Redthal, was with me and, and a few others. And this was the subject that we brought up. And the problem is, is what we see now is in, so heavily influenced by uh by, by TV, by the entertainment industry, and whenever a new gadget comes out, a thousand and one other people run out there and buy it. However, these gadgets have really never been adequately tested uh, for the purposes 
that they are supposedly supposed to bring in. And this is something that I do have a problem with. I would love to be able to see controlled atmosphere or a controlled experiment where we can go and, and actually measure and weigh something that happens. And this it's is not that is, easy, though, Tim. That it's not that no, easy. But however, however, it's we're doing it easy. in the UK. But why? But why not? Why, I would rather have my belief system disproven than rather believe in something that's wrong. And that's again, that's all part of my evolutionary, my thought and my belief process. I want the truth. I would rather have the truth. I don't want to go to my grave saying, "Well, you know, Aunt Tilly keeps coming to uh, visit me." When in actuality, I, I, I'm suffering from schizophrenia. You know, I want to know the truth. And well, the thing, to... the thing is, maybe we aren't supposed to know the truth. Maybe we can't handle that truth. That's you know, I mean, answer. will we ever, ever prove the existence of spirits? I mean, that's a cop-out answer, Ron. I know it's a cop-out answer, the, but the, you know the what? Old, the old, yeah, but that's the old fallback position, isn't it? Maybe we'll never know. Well, if we look, no, properly, I didn't say we're not going to try. But you know, you know what? That that could be one of those intangible things that all through our lives we may never, ever, ever be able to prove. And, and we would never have realized the Earth was round unless somebody got up and looked. Well, I'm not saying we don't try. God knows I try everything. <laughs> you know, I mean, Tim was saying that, you know, some of these pieces of equipment need to be objectively tested and also the environment needs to be objectively tested. And I'm happy to report that over here in the UK, we do have, including my own team, teams that are objectively doing exactly that. We are measuring and testing the environment, but also we actually get these pieces of crazy equipment and we take them and we test them alongside fully calibrated industrial pieces of equipment that are measuring you know things that it, uh, things that are designed to measure in ways that we understand and then we take these bits of bizarre technology that claim to be measuring things and stick them stick them to the test and do you know what it's snake oil it's flashy lights it's it's mumbo jumbo it's give me two hundred dollars and you can talk to the dead this is nothing more than what happened during the early, the 19, between the 1910 and even going into the 1950s. You go out there and you start looking at the devices. Speak to, speak to the dead. You look at, I mean, when I go down to the Lilydale Assembly and I look at their museum, they have these goggles that, in which you can see aura. They have, I mean, there were a thousand and one things that you could buy in order to go and, and, and communicate with the dead. Let's face it, Ouija boards. Uh, were you know were developed as as a uh, as a way to do it, uh, uh, and yet uh, you know they ended up being nothing more than Victorian parlor games, and that's what something people don't realize that a lot of this stuff is snake oil. A lot of this stuff is out there purely to delude the simple-minded and those who have extra cash floating around, and that's why I have. Is it, wait a minute? Is this snake oil? We can't. We can't. How can we? Even prove it. I mean, that they are you're, snake oil. Because Ron, you're just just you're trying to justify the fact that you've gone out and bought most of them. Well, of yeah, course, but that's my job. I mean, that's rubbish. what I do. The K uh, 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 the, the K2 meter is a $25 device that's barely capable of measuring the emission from a microwave oven or a cell phone. Absolutely. How can it talk to the dead? Uh, what we're doing is we have a lot of theories. And all we can do is act in those theories. And I don't have a problem with anybody using anything. But the, but the bottom line is, 
we cannot truly say, yes, we're talking to the dead. And as a medium, do I really personally You know what that know? music means? That means we have to take a break before I ring Steve's neck. So anyways, do uh, I listen to the Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojanet Parallax Ghost Channel Beyond with Mr. Steve Parsons, Ron Kolick, and our special guest, the Reverend Tim Shaw. And we're right back after the following messages. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more. All in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, Restrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous, as we give awards to the Parrax family. Take 6,427. Alright. Hi, I'm Ron Kolek, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so yeah, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Dan and Ron. See you then. back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Mr. Parascience himself, Stephen Parsons, and New England's own Van Helsink, Ron Kolick, and our very special guest, the host of the Black Cat Lounge on Pararex, the Reverend Tim Shaw. Hey, guys. I'm going to remote you, both of you, and may I say that, Steve, you have a good hair day going, but Ron, not so much. How's that? <laughs> 
obviously you didn't look at the picture before you did the remote viewing and was bored as a coot. <laughs> <laughs> You're like me, baby, it's great. <laughs> I always look... have a good hair day. <laughs> I'm like Albert Einstein with only half the hair. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Tim, uh, b- before I do forget, is uh, do you, uh, if someone wanted to get in contact, first of all, you have the uh, the Black Cat Lounge, which is on Pararex on Thursday nights. Um, uh, tune in. It's always, it's always a great show. Actually, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? How would you get the name and, and what's the show about? And then also uh, give us any other information, websites and all that other crap. Well, you know what? The Black Cat Lounge was inspired by uh, an old bar that we used to go to. And we used to talk metaphysics in this bar. And uh, it was just fun. It was just an old, just dilapidated place. And that's exactly the atmosphere that I wanted for a radio show. And the Black Cat Lounge is just a uh, just a neat name that I that I had. And I didn't want anything that was going to be too poignant, too uh, too serious. You know, Black Cat Lounge is just some place that's going to that would be a fun place. And the topics that I tackle are anything from paranormal, metaphysical, uh, horror. I do authors. Uh, I do nonfiction, fiction, anything out there that is well unique or interesting or even esoteric in some in some aspects we're uh, also heard on uh, the hazy radio network on saturdays at seven and cool. my website is www.theblackcatlounge.net make sure you put the the in there or you'll go to a porno site in austin texas oh let me get that one down which what was that black cat <laughs> i got that one now okay <laughs> i should have done a little bit more research into my domain names but uh, you know how it is and well, hey, you know what you remember the white house the White House was originally a pawn site. If you went on whitehouse.com, it was a pawn site. <laughs> and sometimes so it still is, but we'll talk about that around the fire. And if anyone wants to contact me, you can write me at blackcatlounge1 at yahoo.com. There you go. Did we lose Steve, or is he uh, frozen no, to death? No, no, no. I was just making a note of all those pawn sites. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait till you come over here. Don't, don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, walk you on the wild side. I've, I've been to uh, what's the place where we were over there? Uh, Hooters, is it? Hooters. We, uh, yeah, it's some sort of owl sanctuary, isn't it? Yeah, it is exactly. It's an right. owl sanctuary, all right. <laughs> <laughs> we, took, and, and we took one of the one of the guys that was with us. We uh, he was very straight laced, and we we went to Hooters one night, and we managed to persuade him that we were going to an owl sanctuary. Uh, we got him just inside the door before he bottled and left. Ah, oh, that's a shame. Oh, well. Someone's got to convert those young ladies. That's my job, and that's why I always go there. That's what Anne was saying. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Tim, you are also a paranormal investigator, so you're a, uh, and also a medium, too. Is that correct? A psychic? Uh, I'm, not... I'm more of an extra large, but I'll, I'll take the medium. Thank you for uh, I've never heard that one before. Thanks for doing that, But yeah, I do uh, paranormal investigation. I don't have a team. I gave up uh, being belonging to any team. Uh, I do independent counsel, uh, consulting uh, for several uh, uh, groups in my area and nationally. And uh, my approach to paranormal investigations is this. If I'm working with a team, they tell me what they want. If they want me to do and to record my impressions during a walkthrough, that's what I'll do. I'll take a recorder, I'll walk through the place, I'll, I'll give my impressions, then I'll give them the uh, the information, and then I go home. I don't want to be part of that team if that's all they want. Now, if they want me to go and be a part of their uh, uh, their tech team, I sit back 
and this is this is something that a lot of mediums don't do. I will ignore any energy that I have coming in at me, and I will go and we'll do either EVP sessions or we'll set up different experiments, and or, or if they just want me to to film it, I'll do that. And be, it's because basically I'm not the centerpiece. Uh, the the case, the uh, other people who bring me in, they're the ones that run the show. Now, if they want me to do both, I mean, I can do both, but. Uh, I do things within my own sphere where I'm comfortable. And again, anything I say and anything I pick up and anything I capture, I question everything. If I get an EVP that is not an answer to a direct question that I'm asking, it's out. I don't care if it's a Class A or not. I'm looking for back and forth, one-on-one intelligent conversation, interaction. I'm not looking for the Get out. You know, I don't care about I like about that. It. Don't, don't, don't get, get out. I like that. Listen, listen, God. I loaded my, my drawers in plenty of places like that, you know? But I'm looking, I'm looking for something a little bit more. I mean, yeah, that's a thrill ride. It's, it's great to get that stuff, you know? But here's the thing. I want to be able to go, and I want to try to push this into something that I can feed my own spirituality, that there is something beyond the change called death. Okay. You know what? We, we're really having a hard time hearing Steve. He's, he's like being talked over. And I feel really bad for him because he's like the bad boy. And even though I'd like to wring his neck, I, I really believe he should be heard anyway. So, Steve, you got to speak up or maybe we can bring up the volume on uh, Skypes because uh, uh, Tim and I are both on real lines, phone lines, and none of the Skype crap. Ah, uh, that might be why. Um, yeah. Normally you don't have any problem. Or is that just because we have quiet guests? Uh, Tim's Tim's robust. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> I'm, I'm quite I'm quite happy listening to you two guys battling it out here because um, you've got. It's quite interesting though listening to Tim because we do occasionally call upon the services of psychics in in my uh, investigations uh, that I get. But well, you say it like with. it's a dirty thing. Um, Come on. Sorry. You say it like it's a dirty thing. We call, we occasionally call, and you know, no, we, we occasionally no, take drugs. Thing, but I have you know. no need for them normally because oh, really? they are part of the inve- part of the investigation process. Like uh-huh. I would only sometimes get an audio recorder or sometimes take a thermal camera. So sometimes we would take a medium when okay. the investigation. Oh, it's one of these British understatements I see now. Yeah, when when we when when the services are required, then we would use one. But we would use one rather like Tim was saying, and that's give them a a, a plan, recorder, walk through. But the one thing I would challenge Tim on is uh, he he said it, he leaves his his his, his impressions uh, at the door if asked, and he'll form part of the tech team. And he'll just sit there and operate the camera. Tim, I mean, how is that actually possible? Because, you know, you're a human being, as am I. I find it extremely difficult, even after, even, after, <laughs> even after 30 years of investigating, to, to, you know, not let my own beliefs get in the way, not let me prejudge what's going on. Um, you know, we've done experiments on locations where we've, we've used a medium to see if the environment would actually cause them to have a psychic experience, an event that we're creating, I'm talking about uh, infrasound, 
and we 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 had the medium interpreting that uh, without knowing what we were doing as psych as psychic energy and then afterwards when we talked it over with with carl our medium you know he said well you know guys i'm human too and i just interpret things in relation to my beliefs my beliefs are psychic and so i would you know go with the idea that the sensations the thoughts that i was getting were psychic thoughts rather than psychological thoughts so you know tim how do you actually separate those two areas you know how do you keep your own spiritual beliefs so suppressed you know this is something that is very very hard to do it's all cognitive because of the fact that i have to go and of course i know no matter what i do within the mediumship field i'm going to be colored by my past i mean what i am is a makeup of my past my learning my experiences and Yes, I will say that it is uh, sometimes difficult. However, here's the thing. I'm just going to go and I'm going to interpret the energy and I'm going to tell you what I'm feeling. That's it. I'm not going to go and get crazy. I mean, if you guys want me to do a mediumship work through or a walkthrough, that's what I'm going to do. And I will give you what I'm getting. However, I can leave that at the door. And the reason why I can leave that at the door is because early on I was, I, I was taught not to be what they lovingly call, well, I'm just going to say someone who lets spirit or whatever take over their lives. I don't do that. I was taught to be able to go, and they don't ever turn this off, but you go and you ignore it. And it is the reason why I was taught that was that my mentors wanted me to live a human life. And spirit, in my belief system, is a great addition. Mediumship is a great addition. My spiritual foundation is a great addition to my life. However, it is not my life. My life is my walking on this earth and being able to live as a normal person without spirit or without the psychic senses going in and bothering me. So, I mean, I have a technique that I learned, uh, oh God, years ago, where I get into the, into, well, the zone with a breath and out with the, and And I take another breath, and I'm out of it. I ignore it. And it's just something, it's almost like meditation. The thought comes in, it's there, you ignore it, and let it go away. And that's how I do it. I mean, I I have no problem doing it, and I teach my students to do that because of the fact that you try to be, and I'm going to be honest with you, it's hard to be objective. However, I try to be objective, and I try to be a part of a team. And if that team only wants me to do a walkthrough with with equipment or photograph it, I am not going to go and be the center of attention. Too many mediums that I've worked with over the years didn't know I was a medium. They would go on these events or these these, these cases, and all of a sudden they would take over the whole case. They'd be running around this net, babbling off of the mouth, and they contaminated EVP evidence. They contaminated all this other evidence with their antics. And I was not going to be like that. And I refuse to be like that. And I don't associate with people like that because of the fact that you are not anything special. I'm not anything special. However, if I'm asked to be a part of a team, I'm going to try my utmost to be as objective and to be as effective a member of that team as I possibly can. And that's even actually part of my own belief system. Do you know, I wish we could get some more mediums to to work l- with like that. Because, do you know, you're absolutely right. So many of them love to be the same. Now, mediums, I, in terms of 
ghost hunting field investigation. Up until 15, 10 years ago, it was almost unheard of over here until they started to stick them on television. Mediums were, they spoke, uh, you know, they went to their spiritualist churches, they didn't hunt for ghosts. And then all of a sudden they realized it was quite lucrative. And now, you know, over exactly. here we're... We're plagued with mediums who run teams. Uh, mm -hmm. Every team has got to have a resident psychic or a developing sensitive. And these people, are, you're absolutely right, Tim. They could be an asset to the investigation, but instead, you know, we're there to investigate the, the location and we're there to investigate the experiences of the, of the people involved. But the medium, for the most part, is there to build, to build a career, to in, uh, promote their latest readings or book or god only knows what else they're trying to sell but they are on they are there for self-promotion not for investigation in you, you know you, you know when when i when i started paranormal investigating many 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 many, many years ago um i didn't even believe in mediums i thought they were all charlatans and everything but you know i was always open-minded enough to see if there was validity and stuff and and i was one of the first teams around to use dowsing to use mediums and i took a lot of criticism for it and but i always you know uh countered with you know why not why not have another tool in my toolbox i mean if i can get this information or that information why should i not i mean you know if somebody can give me information and i can verify it fine if i can't then just you know just got it whatever but you know you can't to me, you you have to use everything that's available to you. If you don't, then you're you're only hurting yourself, and you're hurting well, what you're trying to do. I would much rather take a medium onto an investigation than uh, some of these modern electronic boxes, because at least yeah. I know with a medium I'm dealing with a human being, somebody that I can relate to, somebody that I can understand, not some bleeping electronic box that's telling me jack shit. So, yeah, yeah a medium versus a K2 any day. Yeah, but here, here's, here's the other thing, guys. You know, when, as a medium, I understand that I can go and influence someone's life. And not just because of what I'm saying during a reading. If I'm out there doing a walkthrough and all of a sudden I go, oh, my God, I get this terrible pain in my chest. Oh, my God. Well, you know what? I'm amping up all the psychological energy and emotions of the team. That's not what you do. As a medium, you should be out there as part of that team, that tool, to be able to go and bring through the word of spirit or the energy that you're reading, and you're not going to, and you train yourself not to get all excited. You train yourself to be just one of the people. And you don't want to influence these people in psychological ways. How many times, Ron, you know yourself, how many times have you been on a on a on a on a on a, a uh, an investigation, all of a sudden the medium says something, and people start getting afraid, and all of a sudden their hackles are getting up, and and all of a sudden the tension starts to rise. You don't want to do that. This is why I do not go, and I do not openly share what I get during these walkthroughs, mediumship walkthroughs, or when I'm working as a team member. I do not open my mouth. I might go and write it down and keep it, you know, for a notation for later, but I do not share it. And that's an important thing because I don't want to be the influence on somebody else to go and misinterpret what may be coming through. Yeah, I mean, but we got to look at things two different ways. And I think Steve 
has to come to grips with this, I think. And th- that is, if you're number one, doing a serious investigation, and secondly, if you're doing a public event. Because if you're doing a public event, you're really there not as a serious investigator, but more as a showman. And, and I really believe that. And I don't care what anybody okay. says. Yeah. Do you agree? Well, yes, but I, I think that I personally have been able to um, find a method that suits me where I can at least yeah, give, give the, those members of the public who, who are attending uh, some inf- information and entertainment um, so that, that I'm not selling them something you know false i'm not telling them that it's a real investigation what i'm telling them is these are some of the techniques that you would that we would use on a real investigation that's fine but but obviously with 40 people here tonight we can't do a real investigation however the location is haunted so the techniques are valid but bear in mind that you know i'm only here to show you the techniques I don't mm-hmm. consider what we're doing a real investigation. And I always say that on an investigation I do. And I always demonstrate things like the Maglite and like the Frank's box and stuff like that. Okay, and too. show them how, how, you know, I leave it to pl- them to play with it for 15, maybe 20 minutes. And then say, ah, but maybe it's not doing what you think it's doing. Maybe I'm controlling it. Maybe there's some normal explanation and I'm just basically getting people to to think critically, right? Which you should. But a I lot mean, of times, go ahead, Steve. Go, uh, Tim. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, you know, here's the thing. I mean, it's a good thing to do that to get their feet wet to be able to go and show these people how this stuff works. But it's a whole different thing when you're out there and you're faced with a family who has uh, uh, who may be going into uh, the early stages or the later stages of an infestation bordering on oppression. You've got to be able to go and walk in there, and you've got to be able to be objective enough to see if these people are psychologically impaired, if there's, if there's some other reason, is there, C, is, is there CO2, is there, is there some kind of gas going on. You've got to be able to go and be able to be objective, and this is what a lot of people aren't, you don't get this in public events. You can't get this in public events because basically people are on a thrill ride. People want to exactly. be thrilled. People want to, people want to be able to go and see what they show on TV in that 45 minutes that they're going to actually show on TV. You know, people don't realize it could be six days in order to be condensed into that 45 minutes. They want that 45 minutes. Now, we're in a society that is exactly. filled with instant gratification. We want it, and we want it now. And this is yeah, something McDonald's that I personally was never taught. I mean, I was always taught patience. So that's, I mean, it has to be explained. Patience is the only way to do it. I talked to John Zaffis. You guys know Johnny. And we talked about a, a bad case. And I said, every time I go to this house, I'm not getting anything. I'm not getting anything. Psychically, I'm not getting anything. The teams are getting nothing. Yet, they're calling me up. They're telling me that they're getting scratched. They're getting hits and that. And he says, well, then if you're not getting anything, you're not there at the right time. You've got to camp out. And sure enough, he was right. You've got to be there. You've got to be a part of the, part of the atmosphere. Your vibrational set or energy or whatever you want to call it has to be able to mesh within that house. Whatever that is gets used to it and then exposes itself. It's just like police work. And this is the bottom line. Again, if you're sincere in what you're doing, you've got to give it 100%. You've got to do it 100% or walk away from it. 
And I so I know we're almost out of time, that. and uh, and before we came on the air, I I told Steve who we had on the show, and uh, he was most interested in uh, the little fellas. Uh, what were they called, uh, Steve? Demons. Uh, demons, yeah, because they 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 seem to have. We never we never encountered demons until the TV. Uh, I never found a demon in my life. Of course, I don't believe in demons, I don't believe in angels, I don't believe in heaven, and I don't believe in hell. What I do believe is I do believe that there are entities, some that have never been born, that are negative, that are drawers or whatever. You have nasty people who have crossed over, bad people who in their personality that I don't, that I personally believe have not changed. Or you've got people that I call wanderers that are, that are out there just looking for an opportunity to cause mischief. And it's interpreted as a demon, and that's the problem. Well, listen, it's the name we give them. I mean, you can be talking about the same thing, just you won't call him a demon, but somebody else would call him a demon. Is, is, yeah, a good, friend of mine, a good friend of mine is an exorcist, and he, and he and I sat down over cigars and coffee one day, and we talked about the differences between what my religion believes, and he is with the Western Rite Catholic Church, and mm-hmm. uh, what his religion believes, and it's very, very close. It's semantics, and that's a big thing. And you know what? When you look at semantics and you look at the problematic causes and methodology that we have to use for the client, it's almost all the same. The difference is, is I don't go and sprinkle holy water on them. However, if that's what I feel that the client needs, I'll, I'll dance around naked around a fire with a dead chicken if, if yeah. that will help the client. You know? It is perception of the client that we work with. Right. So, Steve, I know we cut you off again, and I apologize because we're really having a hard time with you. Go ahead. So, Steve. I... No, I was, I was, I, I just find you know a lot of agreement with what Tim's saying. Um, but uh, you know this thing about demons, we we never in in thirty years never ever encountered them. Then all of a sudden, they appear on TV. He's a bad nivy. You know that we you know you've heard Derek saying it wrong. And all of a sudden, every haunting case becomes evil. Every ghost becomes. A murderer. Everybody wants to be possessed. They're just ramping up the terror for the public, aren't they? It's just more and more thr- thrill-seeking. What's going to be next? Well, is, is, aren't we creating that, though? I mean, aren't we of course creating we're, reality? We're missing... Aren't we no, creating no, no. reality? It's, it's this public thing again. It's this... We're feeding the masses. The masses want the scare factor. What these people... When they go out on a ghost hunt, that a paid ghost hunt... It's an interactive, scary movie. When I was a kid, we went to the pictures, the movies, we went to see a horror film, we went to see a scary film, The Exorcist, or whatever. But now people can go out and get involved in their own interactive, scary movie on a Saturday night for $25 and talk to dead people, can fight demons, can do all this stuff. And they love it. They're lapping it up. I'm going to agree with you 100% on that, Steve, 100%. And it is a fad. It is a fad. And the one thing that I will say is that because of my religion, I know that I will never sort of fade away because this is this is my religion. I will always do it. And whether or not it's on TV or not, I look at it a little bit deeper. And, again, uh, when I go and I, and I speak at conferences or I'm uh, teaching classes, I really try to impress upon the people and my friends and my students, the ethics of what we do, the responsibilities of what we do, and that, believe it or not, the Internet and the TV will lie to you. Get out. 
Pete I hear the doorbell. Ron. That means the pizza man's here. So uh, we got to wrap it up. Ron. Yes, that's my name. Yeah, I've got to shout because you can't hear me. You said at the start of the show that you were thinking of um, uh, enrolling enrolling uh, additional help for Team USA. Uh, d- don't ask Tim. I think we're going to have we're going we would struggle. We would struggle. This guy's good. <laughs> you guys are great. I, this was a great honor that you guys asked me on today. And uh, you know what? Well, you saved our butt, so we're really happy about that, too. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't mind that at all. I'm just glad that I was able to be get home in, in time to be able to go in and, and mm-hmm. come on the show. And, you know, Steve, it was great meeting you today. And, Ron, you know I have nothing but, but, but really, uh, you're just one of those great people. You're a good person. And you were one of the, and I don't want to say pioneers because I don't care. You're not that old compared oh, to yes, me. Oh, yes, nah, I am. Oh, yes, I am. I'm right in your doorstep. But I want to yeah. tell you that it's just an honor and a privilege to, uh, for you to have asked me on today. So thank you so very, very much. Wow. I feel, uh, yeah, I feel a love here. <laughs> so, anyways, Tim, uh, once again, we've been speaking with uh, Reverend Tim Shaw from the Black Cat Lounge. On Parax uh, Thursday night is it nine o'clock or ten? I always get mixed up. I'm at I'm at eight o'clock, and Marla Brooks is right after me at nine. Oh, that's what it is. I always get because I know you're yeah we're next to Marla, so my my favorite West Coast switch, Marla Brooks. I miss her. She's got to get out this way. Well, if you keep missing her, name higher. What Steve? You still we still uh, whispering in the background there? Yeah, right? I said I said if you miss her, aim higher. It's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Is that British humor? I, I gotta know. I want to write that down. Okay, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Steve, uh, anything you uh, want to finish with? No, I'm going downstairs to thaw off and play with the snowballs. All right, Steve. Thank you so much for enduring the cold and be with us, Reverend Tim. No, thank. Thank you so much again. Uh, I really appreciate this. And, of course, uh, visit our website, anyghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com, and uh, find out all about the New England Ghost Project and all we do. So, Reverend Tim, Steve, thank you so much. And, listeners, good night and God bless. See you next week. Goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.